Welcome to episode two of Inside Moto. This is uh, one of my favorite podcasts to do. The first one was earlier on this year with uh, the infamous Doc Wop, who's uh, obviously just done the uh, a very successful event at Fox Hills with the VMXDN. Uh, crikey, what what an event that was! So um, it, this 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 podcast show is all about finding these fascinating people from uh, the industry and uh, bringing them to you in in kind of hearing a little bit about them. Um, and first and foremost, we're going to go and speak to our sponsors or talk about our sponsor, which is Even Strokes, which is a UK-based online motocross shop that offers motocross parts and gear. Driven by making motocross more affordable, they always have deals that you can use. Uh, the code MXVICE to get 10% off anything site-wide. Interesting, Liat is one of the brands on MX uh, on Even Strokes. Uh, you can get 10% off using the code. And uh, that takes us nicely into today's guest, which is uh, none other than um, Jamie Buckingham, who is the current uh, Liat Athlete Manager. Is that the correct title, Jamie? <laughs> Uh, yeah, not quite. But, uh, uh, oh, correct me, correct me, Jamie. Yeah, what what is the title? So my job title at the moment is uh, Moto Marketing and Athlete Support. Um, oh, very so good. So yeah, there's a there's one guy above me that uh, is the athlete manager as such, but I'm okay. the guy that the face at the GPs, as it were, um, and other races. So now you've got a fascinating story, Jamie, because. Um, I first got to know you through, or I first got to hear hear about you, believe it or not. You're probably gonna, not going to know this, but um, I set up the JWR uh, Facebook page and everything. I used to do, uh, which you probably know anyway, I, I helped Johan set up all the digital side and uh, all that uh, stuff back in 2018. And I remember a message coming through on Facebook uh, from yourself saying, uh, are you looking for any mechanics uh, for the team? So, um, and then Johan messaged me and he said, oh, do you know this guy, Jamie Buckingham? So I was like, okay, I'll find out for you. And uh, yeah, I said like this, yeah, he's good. Da, 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 da. And there we go. So you probably didn't know that, but um, <laughs> <laughs> that's how this industry works. So um, yeah, that Facebook message really has kind of, uh, sent you on a on a what a journey? What's that sort of five years? Um, yeah, it's got to be pushing onto that now. Um, yeah, COVID year I think was my when I really started in the in the GP paddock as such. So um, when was that? Twenty yeah, twenty twenty. So twenty twenty so three years. Yeah, three years. God. Three is it three years? Yeah, three or years. Four. It's a long three years, yeah. buddy. Yeah, no, it, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it has been for sure. Um, yeah, so two years two years as mechanic and then this year um yeah a little bit slightly different as my and my job now at, at liat so it's been a, a a cool three years but like you say it's been <laughs> a long a, lo- a long hectic one so well um let's 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 rewind a little bit before we we get to that part because uh if i remember rightly we sat on a plane um i can't remember what gp it was um earlier on this year and we were we were talking and, and you come from a bit of a motocross background anyway yeah, so I've my whole family um, through the generations has been involved with yeah motocross and uh, road racing and yeah all forms of uh, yeah motorbike racing really. So I've been involved with it since I was yeah hardly even walking and around the sport and yeah and then raced myself and then finally ended up with a job in the industry. So it, yeah, it's been in my blood since since I was born. So it's yeah, 
it's life. <laughs> and uh, obviously, there's like, uh, let, let's talk about what level rider you are, Jamie. So, are you the Alexander Brown level, um, who's currently a mechanic at uh, Nestan, or are you a little bit less? <laughs> I'm not I'm not quite a Xander Brown, but yeah, I mean, I can, I can ride okay. Like, uh, yeah, I rode to a decent a decent local level, and then sort of rode in the British, like in the MX Nationals expert category. So, yeah, oh, wow. I can I can ride. I can you ride. Can ride. No, yeah, not 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 to a not to a Xander level. Unfortunately, I wish <laughs> that guy no. could still hop in a GP. I think if he was fit. So, do you know what he? Uh, he he's one talented kid. Um, it's just a shame that uh, obviously you know things went against him a little bit with the injuries. But um, yeah, what a rider he was when he was younger. Um, yeah, unbelievable. So, uh, yeah, that was a great level. MX Nationals expert. That's a, that's a, that's a great level to be at. So, um, do you still get time to ride? <laughs> Yeah, so actually this year with the new job a little bit more. Um, when I was a mechanic, yeah, ne- next to nothing, unfortunately. Um, yeah, when I come home in the winter and then you ride in the mud and hor- yeah, all the horrible conditions. <laughs> but now, yeah, I have a lot more flexibility and some weekends at home and not living in Lommel. It helps. It helps with the riding. So I've done a yeah a couple races again this year, just at like a club level. But uh, yeah, it's so nice to be able to to ride again. So. <laughs> That's good. No, that's cool. So um, let's let's go back to sort of uh, 2019 then. So you were riding local level. Um, where, where's the mechanic background come from? So, yeah, my family, uh, is, like I said, has been in the in the bike industry for a long time. My uncle has had a bike shop for, oh, it's got to be, uh, it's got to be over 30, 40 years now. And my dad, uh, he also has a, a bike shop with a workshop for, uh yeah again 30 plus years so uh, and what's the what's the name of the shop uh it's just alex buckingham motorcycles so ah, there we go uh, we got a road and a, a bit of an off-road section um and a workshop mot center all that sort of stuff so again Excellent. i've always i've always been around the uh, yeah mechanics and mechanicing and uh and all that so and my cousin is actually He's, uh, I don't know what his job role is, but he works in British Superbikes. He he's, used to work for Peter Hickman in the TT uh, as like a technical sort of director for FHO team at the time. So yeah, a lot of my family has always been in the technical <laughs> side. So yeah, that's very cool. So uh, I, I'm guessing any family get togethers then there's not really much more that's discussed other than road in, in uh, motocross. <laughs> yeah not a lot more like my cousin still <laughs> rides to a, a good level he raced an emx 125 round last year and so yeah the whole the whole family is 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 his moto really so it's cool it's yeah it's cool to be a part of it obviously no i think a lot i think this will resonate a lot with um people who are listening in because i think all of us are connected in some way to motocross through a family member so um no, that's really cool. I mean, yeah, you've got some deep roots of uh, thirty plus years, hey, with the family. Oh, so and and the rest, uh, like even we're talking way back now. My, uh, I think he's my great grandfather was the ACU president at one point as well. So it goes, it goes real deep. It goes really deep. Wow, that is very deep. Yeah, you're like, hey, hey, you're uh, like British Motocross royalty. I didn't realize we had uh, <laughs> someone of your esteem on there. <laughs> There's more family that have been involved with it as well. And but to be honest, I don't know the the uh, <laughs> the full background even myself. So, so so with the with the uh, the mechanic side, was that kind of working in the shops and sort of picking up um, sort of knowledge from there? <laughs> Yeah, it was a little bit like my dad always tried to teach me sort of along along the way. And uh, sort of when I got a bit older, I started working on my own bikes a little bit. And 
yeah, learning as much as much as I kind of could. Um, and I sort of did some a bit of voluntary work uh, for some enduro riders, um, Dan Mandel and Alex Snow being being two of them. So I, I went to some races with them, like uh, World Championship enduro races, and just learned as, as I could on on the go. Really, like I'm lucky that I, I'm friends with some top riders, so yeah, uh, the opportunities were there to to learn. Um, yeah, and to go with them and and learn yeah at world championship level so i yeah. i got to say i'm quite lucky in that way but yeah jumping over to the mxgp was a, a completely different different ball game well um it's interesting i haven't heard dan mandel's uh, name uh, obviously people who don't don't know of him he he he's a good motocross rider in his own right um yeah he, he was a good motocross rider and then a, yeah uh, he was a factory uh Sherco world championship enduro racer as well so I worked for him for a couple of GPs, got a couple of podiums in the junior category. Yeah. And then cool. I went and then I went to the ISD with, with Alex Snow, which was, that was an amazing opportunity. And again, another rider who's sort of seems to have been around for a long time on the motocross side. I think he rode for Rob Hooper at some, some point. Um, and obviously he's done very, very well in, um, in Enduro, I think it's, I think he's had, I don't know, am I right in saying, or, or do you agree that he's had, I think, uh, more of an elevated career in, in Enduro now than what he has done sort of looking back at motocross? Yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, when he rode for Roger McGee, I think he was under 21 British championship uh, champion in the motocross. And then obviously he raced some GPs with JK at the time. Yeah. But I think once he swapped to the Enduro, he, yeah, it, I think it maybe suited him a little bit better. He was British champion, I think it was last year. So, yeah, although his age is sort of getting on, he's still a, a top level rider and a uh, good rider. Yeah, and this year he's uh, riding for Team GB in the ISD again. So his hey, career is all no, his career has <laughs> almost been uh, restarted, and uh, which is cool. Yeah, really cool. I mean, uh, and he's such a nice guy as well. I re- I've got over the years, like when I first started out in in MX Vice, I think it was probably like uh, maybe 2011. I think he was probably riding for Oakleaf Kawasaki, maybe 11, 12 or something. And um, with Sean Anthony and his brother Dave and that, and uh, that's how I got to know sort of Alex uh, then. And yeah, he was such a nice person. Well, you know, still is a nice person, but even back then he was like, always gave me the time, you know, MX Vice was still in his infancy. So you kind of remember those people who, uh, kind of go out of their way to help you. Yeah, for sure. You remember the people that helped you from, from the beginning. And I've known Alex since I was four, five, six, cause my, my dad used to sponsor him. And, uh, yeah, I was lucky enough to ride his track back in the day. And we're still, we're probably closer now than we, we ever have been, which is, it's cool that we can, yeah, our relationship lasts that long. And uh, just from my dad used to help him out with some boots for, for sponsorship. So, yeah, that's really cool. Cool story that is. Um, yeah. So obviously the background, um, working on the bikes with your dad, obviously um, going to work with Dan in, in, in Alex at uh, Enjoy Races. And then kind of, how did it sort of come about? Did you kind of, how did was it like something that said, I'd like to kind of take this to another level. I'd like to try something. And cause obviously the, the first step would be something like a British championship. I would have thought, but you kind of went straight into MXGP, didn't you? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I did. I guess, um, like I said, I did the enduro races with them guys at a world level. So, um, but yeah, I did sort of skip the British championship part. I sort of, so I just had that, that goal and that vision that I just wanted to, do it 
do it properly just just jump straight in and uh yeah and just go for it um and i was lucky enough to be given uh an opportunity so <laughs> that's uh, yeah, it's it's cool because that must have been because 18 uh i think was it 18 or was it 19 i think 19 was the year with strybos brylyakov yeah and goal so you must have been the year after so they had um brylyakov and was anton still on the team then no, so it, I started with them in 21 and 2020 oh, was okay. 2020 was the COVID year and a uh, bit of a ah. story really. So that yeah. year I sort of set my goal to try and get a job. So weirdly I went to Matali for the first round. Um, just sort of went around some teams and just trying to find, just trying to find a job uh, to yeah. see if there was anything there and if I could find anything and nothing really came up. So I went, I went to Volkenswald the week after I just thought I, I'm going to make this happen and I ended up going to Volkenswald and talking to uh, Brandon Anir, uh, who was working for Hitachi at the time. Okay. And they said, uh, oh, yeah, there's actually an opportunity coming for an EMX 125 rider. So I, I had a meeting with meeting with the team manager at the time, and, yes, things started rolling like that. Um, and then I went to the British Championship the week after and met uh, – it was Ethan Lane at the time, the 125 rider. Yeah. Who, um, yeah, met him and – went there sort of with the team and I don't know if you remember that was uh, pretty much the day that COVID <laughs> shut the world down um, so the British Championship never happened on the Sunday and uh, yeah the job with Atachi at the time never came off um, Damn. yeah so I was pretty gutted with that really um, so then the, that winter so the winter of 2020 I yeah like you say I went applying for jobs elsewhere and JWR come up and that's where it <laughs> That's where it started from. So, yeah, that whole year I remember it, uh, it quite well. It's it was a horrific year. I think, I think you know, uh, the, a lot of the teams were crippled anyway. But I think we spent four and a half thousand just on. Uh, uh, I think it's a twenty or twenty-one. Maybe it's twenty-one. We spent four and a half thousand just on um, COVID tests. It yeah. was incredible. Twenty twenty was the year where they did uh, four or five uh, triple headers, triple double headers. headers. Yeah. And then 2021, the first year I started working, we did two, I think. We did one at Arco, or a triple header at Arco, and then a double header at Mantova. Yeah. yeah. So the last five rounds were within, they were within about 15 days. <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy times, that was. It, it, when looking back at that, it's, it's like, how, like, I can't even believe it happened. And it, it wasn't that long ago. It just feels like it was like a different lifetime. And it's like when we said at the start of this, this chat, you know, three years ago, it's amazing what's happened in three years. So that, yeah, it's I, insane. I, 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 like I said, I remember the email coming through. Um, I think it was a Facebook message or an, an email. So it was one of the two which came through to GWR. Um, and for those who don't know Johan, he is just one of the nicest guys. Um in, in MXGP. Obviously, you wouldn't want to get on the wrong side of him, but he is just an awesome, awesome human being. He's one of my favorite people uh, out there. Um, I'm pretty sure you've got the same sentiments, hey? Uh, he he is the best. He, he really is. When I had my first meeting with them, uh, with him and Patrick, uh, the, the team manager there, it was over sort of a FaceTime call, and Johan is a scary-looking... Uh, <laughs> scary looking guy looking at you staring you down asking you these like these questions these straight questions and uh <laughs> yeah. honestly once i got to know him he, he is the the nicest yeah i could say all the best things about Johan. like now he is still like we well, yeah we still get on brilliantly and 
any day of the week I can call on him and, and have a chat. He's yeah, he's an awesome guy. Yeah, we, I mean, we, we chat a little bit on the plane and, and for those who don't know Johan, he's, he's the, I, I was in the middle of Sweden for, I was there for like in 19, but I was there for 16 weeks and, um, you know, I was away from my family, away from friends and, you know, wife and kids and everything else. And it, there were some real tough days and, and I hated it. And, uh, it, in, in, I didn't, I didn't hate being in Sweden. It, I found just the, 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 the corporate lifestyle tough. And, uh, Johan at the time, um, he's got a massive recycling company in, in, uh, in Sweden. It's huge. He's got loads of people that work for him and his time is really, really scarce, but he would phone me up and uh, say, how are you doing? <laughs> in his like, is very abruptness of of a of, of a voice, and uh, and I'll be like, it's shit. It really is shit. Um, he's like, right, I'm going to pick you up. We're going to go for a hamburger and a beer. Yeah, and I and, bet I know where you went for a hamburger too. Yeah, <laughs> I actually and, uh, I lived with him for three months in Sweden, so that was like saying so we have a really a, good relationship. A regular, yeah, a regular joy. But I think. I think for me, like if anybody who wants to know what Johan's like as a person, you know, here's a couple of like, like my story, your stories, this just cements, you know, there are some really, really cracking people in the sport. And, um, I think that's where you go the extra mile for these people. And, uh, like I said, this just wasn't on one occasion. I had a lot of bad days and he was always there and he'd always phone me up every day and he'd be like, are you good? Are we good? Da, 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 da. And he would always check on me and, and that is when he's like super busy he's still super busy now, but that's the type of person he is. So talk about the, uh, cause you really went into the deep end because JDBR were going through quite a transit transitional phase. I mean, um, the early days was kind of like real startup straight from like, you know, once couple of seasons in Sweden and they went straight into MXGP. They got the old, uh, Antonio Carodi's old, um, uh, workshop in Lommel. Um, and I'm thinking that maybe you stayed in one of the little rooms there. Yeah. So I started, uh, so it was quite a tough start actually, because it was just when Honda changed the model of the bike. So everything was new. We kind of, we didn't have too many parts. It was after COVID parts were hard to get. Everything was hard to get. And, uh, yeah, so I drove over to Lommel and for my first day and, uh, arrived at this workshop and, yeah, like you say, the old Crioli workshop, you get given the history, the tour of it is, yeah, it's an old building, but it was, uh, yeah, it was yeah, like, yeah. wow, wow, yeah. here we are. The truck's parked there, the vans are parked there, there's 15 new Hondas, and uh, yeah, you start your start your journey by driving in a set of electric gates and being welcomed by a few Swedish guys, which was, yeah, I'm so thankful for them at this point because, yeah, they've taken me to where, to where I am now, so... And uh, that that first day, um, you know, was it? I mean, looking back on it, is it? Did it meet your expectations? I mean, what what did you think? Sort of, once you kind of landed there, were you like, were you kind of like relieved because you're like you got to where you wanted to go, or were you just like a little bit like, holy shit, this this all gets a little bit real? <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'll ever like forget the day. Like, I left home at like two a.m. or something to to drive to Calais, and then yeah, because it's about probably all in driving, probably nine hours for me to Lommel, uh, yeah. plus the crossing. So I left at like 2 a.m., let's say, and arrived there. And uh, yeah, you just walk in and there you are. You start, literally got handed a set of clothes, 
the training bikes over there. Uh, we'll go to Longwell tomorrow and just, yeah, and just got going. Just off you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah pr- pretty much. Here's the toolbox. Here's what you need. Yeah. W- away you go. And just, uh, to be honest, it was, I couldn't have asked for a better introduction. Like the, as you know, James, the, the guys there at the team are just, yeah, they're so welcoming and so nice and nothing was an issue. And yeah, it, the first day, yeah, it was a relief for sure to, that I finally made it, but it was also like, oh crap, like <laughs> here, here we go. Here's however many months of living in Lommel and 20 GPs and however many days training. Uh, but yeah, I wouldn't change it. So No. So one of the things which, um, you know, I'm going to ask you about because, you know, people ask me and, and it, it, I, I kind of moan a little bit and it's maybe because I'm a lot older than you, Jamie, but the traveling does take its its toll on you. And it's hard to explain to people because people like, yeah, oh my God, you're going to Argentina. And it's like, yeah, I'm going to Argentina and I'm back in five days. And three of those is pretty much traveling, two's at a track in that's that's the life isn't it it's hard to explain to people from the outside because they get to see you know you go all around the world see these different places but there really is no time to relax no it's 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 crazy like uh strangely i actually find the traveling a little bit harder now like flying in and flying out all the time because you just spend so many time so much time sat in an airport or driving to an airport or whereas as a mechanic you just I think I calculated it one year, but I can't remember what it was. The kilometers and the hours we had driven, it was well, astronomical, as you can imagine. Yeah. But then, like, yeah, you finish a GP at 6 o'clock, take down the tent, it's 9 o'clock, and then you've got a 12-hour drive back to Lommel. But that was normal. Like, you just you just did it. You're almost robotic. You, three guys got back in the van, one slept, one drove, and then you repeated. Like, yeah, when, when you were doing it as a mechanic, you didn't seem to get tired. You just just kept... Just it? kept going. Yeah. Whereas <laughs> now flying in and out of airports and sort of getting back in the office on yeah, Monday afternoon or, or Tuesday morning or whatever. It, yeah. I, I actually feel more tired now. So, <laughs> well, I, I guess, I guess the first thing to ask is there's probably, you know, people out there who, you know, it could be mechanics in the British championship. It could be mechanics in Enjoy. It could be mechanics who are kind of thinking I'd love to do that. So, you know, looking back, um, and having an opportunity with JWR, what would you, what would your, what would you kind of recommend to people to do? Like, as in how, how would you, how would they prepare themselves to be a, a GP mechanic? Strangely, I actually get some uh, Instagram messages every now and then of people asking like, how can I, how can I do this? So, okay, cool. I, like my, my, what I've always said to people, uh, if you know someone that's trying to ride to a high level or is already riding at a high level, just ask them if you can help them, like gain some experience because at the end of the day, most of the teams want at least a bit of experience within a race environment. So if you can go with them to training to a few days and then maybe go to a British championship with them and just, yeah, just gain that little bit of experience so you can pass, pass on to these teams when you apply, like, cause it does help. It does help if you can name drop a little bit or championship drop in your, in your CV or, yeah. When you're asking, asking for a job. So that would be, that would be, that would be my advice would just find someone you can help because there's so many riders out there that <laughs> would be, yeah, would love someone to come training with them and just assist. So, yeah. 
That's that's really good advice. I mean, there's there's plenty of people. It's bit, if you're looking at this from the UK or where whatever country you're listening, where, where you're from at the moment, you're listening. That there is there are so many people out there who probably would be, you know, welcome to help. Um, you know, there a lot of these riders are trying to do everything on a, on a small budget anyway. Um, so you know, you know, the first and foremost, that's a big help to them. You're going to gain some knowledge at the same time. Um, but I guess the one thing I think we have to have some clarity with, and I think as I say the same with anybody who's coming into media, um, you have to align your monetary um, expectations, don't you? Because, you know, you can't exactly help somebody out and then say, oh, uh, that'd be 50 pounds, please, or 100 pounds, please. You, you really do need to build out a CV, hey? Yeah, for sure. Like like I said earlier, like all the the work I went and did to start with in the enduro GPs. So the world championship was all voluntary. I, so I did probably three GPs. So I think it was Slovakia. I think I can't remember France and maybe Germany with, with Dan Mandel. And I did that all voluntary. So yeah. probably three weeks away. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like say Dan would pay for, pay for some stuff for me, but it, uh, I didn't earn anything out of it. And the same with Alex Snow with the, the ISDE, it, uh, everything was covered, but, it was all voluntary just, just so I could gain some experience and have, have something to say. And I, I think at the end of the day, that is the reason why I, I kind of got the job at JWR to start with, because I did have some, some pretty good experience to be honest. Yeah. But uh, at the same time, you kind of had to invest in yourself. Hey. Yeah. And, I, and you have to believe in yourself as well. Like there's so many people that, yeah, they want to go and live the GP life in, and they'll send their CV to HRC and factory KTM. You like, you have to be realistic. Like there's satellite teams for a reason and you have to start somewhere. Everyone wants to live the dream and work for work for the factory teams and the top riders. But to be honest for your first year, go and work, like apply for some of the smaller teams and, and get that experience. And to be honest, you probably have a better time in doing it that way as well. And, um, I, I think as a career path, if, if people are solely looking at mechanics, then, then, you know, getting in with satellite teams is definitely the way to go because a lot of these mechanics do get headhunted by the factory teams. Yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, I had job offers from various teams when before I swapped to my job at Liat. So once you've been there and you've got a face in the paddock, you it's not long and you can you start knowing people. For yeah. me, like I always networked in the pack in the paddock. I was always trying to speak to as many people as I could, and we were lucky at JWR that a lot of our sponsors were. Yeah, really nice, really nice people, and I would sort of do some media stuff with uh, with them and for their YouTube channels or their Instagrams or whatever. And so I always built built connections as much as I could the whole time I was uh, in the paddock. So, well, I think you just touched on something else that you were you were willing to do these things. You were willing to kind of push the push the envelope, so to speak. So you were kind of putting yourself out there. I think that's another you know trait that if if you want to go somewhere within the sport, you have to put yourself out there. Um, sometimes these opportunities aren't just going to land on your on on your you know on your doorstep. No, for sure. I yeah. Whenever they asked, I was always willing. And uh, like even now, when I go back to the paddock, I go and see yeah Dominic from Dunlop. Let's say who's he's an awesome guy. He was a team sponsor at the time and I can stand there and chat to him for 20, 30 minutes. And the same with Twinner. I always yeah. did me media for them when I could. And yeah, I'd still take the time now to go and sit with them and yeah, have a, have a drink. And yeah, I think they appreciate it. And I call them friends now rather than, than uh, I guess they were sponsors at the time. So yeah, nah, that's really cool. So two years at JWR, you obviously, you know, <laughs> uh, like every, every mechanic, you worked hard, 
some serious hours were put in um, for the GP season, hey? Yeah, it's it's actually insane. Like you're trying to explain to people how many hours you actually did, and um, yeah, you 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 can't explain it. Um, like quite often, you're in the workshop at eight o'clock and in the morning, and if not earlier, and then <laughs> yeah, sometimes you walk out the door at two o'clock the next morning if if it's days before a GP. So it all depends on what you've got to do, but. Yeah, it's it can be worth it. Some weeks are hard. Some weeks are, <laughs> are stressful. Some weeks are, <laughs> you don't want to be there. But yeah, uh, at the end of the day, yeah, you have a you have a good time. Is is the truth of it? No, that's good. I mean, you you have to put it in perspective. Hey, if if you're looking to to, to do something other than than the norm, because there are a lot of normal jobs out there which you know people can 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 do. Um, I think there's a lot of us who are attracted to motorsports because it's not the norm. It's something that we, you know, it's, it's, it's a hobby. It's fun. It's exciting. It's, it drives you, um, you know, it's, it's enjoyable. So if you can take that opportunity, then, you, you know, you have to put, make the sacrifices. You have to work hard. You have to put in the extra hours. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, you know, from a media point of view, when I'm still going around at seven, eight o'clock at night and it's still getting dark trying to find riders to do podcasts with, um, you guys are still tearing down the awning. Yeah, for sure. And like, I think I mentioned it earlier, like the, what the MXGP race finishes at 5.45, something like that. Yeah. If you wash the bike, that's another yeah 30 plus minutes. And that's before you start taking down the tent. So you're already nearly at seven o'clock before you're, you're taking the tent down and it's, if you're doing it properly and packing it away nicely and making sure everything's clean for the next GP, that's another couple of hours. So realistically, you're not ready to leave the track until probably 9.30 and, and you never know, you might have a 12-hour drive to go after that. So it, it, it can it's be insane. really... <laughs> when you're thinking about it, it's insane. <laughs> um, obviously, you know, the two years at JWR were fun. You met some incredible people, some really good people, um, Got built some lifelong friendships there. Um, how did the, I mean, what happened at the end of the two years? Did you, did you kind of think I'm looking for a break from this? Did something just land, uh, you know, at your feet because you put yourself out there? How, how did the, the, the Liat position come around? You know, it was really strange because I was quite happy at JWR actually. I, so the second year I was sort of, uh, more of like a crew chief sort of like, uh, yeah, like technical, I don't know, technical manager, I guess you would say. So I sort of looked after the other mechanics. And to be honest, I wasn't really looking for anything. And uh, yeah, I had some, <laughs> it just so happened that I had quite a few job offers within the paddock uh, from various teams. Um, I also had some, uh, a couple offers in the UK from um, some different, some different things. Um, yeah. And then I just had a random phone call one day from, from my manager, from, uh, the manager at Leah at the time, um, asking me if I had ever thought about doing something different within the industry. And to be honest, I was really, really tied at the time. Uh, not tied. Uh, yeah, I really, I really didn't know which direction I wanted to go because like I said, I had some good offers within the paddock for mechanic and jobs. And then, and then this, and they were completely different things. One, I would be living in Lommel. One, I would be living at home. One, I would be doing, 80 hours a week one I would uh, <laughs> sort of be doing your normal your normal kind of nine to five sort of thing and 
yeah so it, it it all sort it did just land at my feet really like i i was lucky like that um i i knew the guy for from years before which i guess helped but he had obviously seen what i'd been doing in the paddock um which again helped so yeah i but- didn't i did i didn't go looking and i ended up with various opportunities so yeah but i'm a great believer in jamie uh, that you know th- these things don't you know there's no such thing as luck so people say right time right place but you have to be you have to put yourself out there you have to do the work you have to be seen you know to be doing the work and, and people talk about you and you know I, th- I think from from me kind of on, on the outside looking in i think you ticked all those boxes um so that position and, and, and those opportunities came along because of the type of person you are in in, in the, the you know the work ethic that you you put into it so um you know obviously you know i'm a great believer in that you you do make your own you mean your own opportunities in in life so it was a bit of a tough decision hey go you know whether to stick with jwr because i i guess at this point you possibly would be the i would say team manager now yeah for sure i think i would be um uh, yeah, and it was tough to leave because they gave me the opportunity to to join the paddock and become part of it. And to be honest with you, Johan and Patrick, they are still now like family. But it really, really was like like family there. It's it's not like many other teams. It it really is a there's a good feel there. Um, it the, like I said, there's not easy. There wasn't easy days. There was some hard days and some hard times with with riders and injuries and. Uh, even politics with with poor old Sever. So <laughs> yeah. we had some we had some really really tough times. Um, but I still had that that heart that w- wanted to stay there. Even like I said, even though I had some some other offers within the paddock at, at top level teams, and <laughs> strangely, I I kind of my heart still wanted to stay at uh, at JWR at times. Um, but I guess that's, I mean, one thing is, is, uh, what I do love about the MXGP paddock is this one big community and everybody talks and, you know, you know, some people get on and some people don't get on it. And, and, but you quite quickly get to know once you're there in the circus for about two years, what, what's good and what's not. So I guess some of, some of the opportunities which come up sang from the outside of me, if you didn't know, you'd be like, Oh my God, you're mental for, uh, we're not doing that. And then when you start to hear some, some of the things behind the scenes, then you're kind of like, well, there's a whole reason. <laughs> yeah, for, for sure. For sure. That, that's, that's for certain. Um, yeah. I mean, say, it, once, once you're there, you, you, you end up knowing the face of everyone there and, and everyone has their own little group that at the end of the day, everyone, everyone gets on, but you are completely correct. So you, some of these job offers you hear about, you think, whoa, like that, that could be amazing. And then actually you find, you find out a bit more and uh, <laughs> yeah, there's <laughs> some things look great from the outside. I think is the, is the truth. Yeah. Uh, it, but I think that, you know, that that's like a lot of businesses. And, and I think, I think people suit, suit different types of, of, of places like where, you know, uh, myself or, or yourself might fit in really well somewhere. We might not fit in in another place like i when i went to work for a corporate company i just it just wasn't me i just didn't it was like putting a uh what do they say a square peg in a round hole um you know yeah. it, but other people would have excelled there so it, it does come down to the person but yeah there's uh there's a lot of factory teams which run certain ways which don't you know is is, is it, sometimes it is too much too much politics but um 
the GWR, you know, and, I, and I've always been biased on every podcast and I always got caught, caught up about it, but it really is like, you have to be there to understand they're really good people. If you're looking for a fir- first time opportunity, they, they do look after you. They expect in return to work hard quite rightly. Um, but yeah, gr- great, great bunch of people. So you took the job at Liat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, and here we are. So your first year uh, under your belt. Um, what's your sort of day to day, day to day jobs, week to week jobs? What sort of for, for those who who have just heard of Jamie Buckingham and and but they understand that uh, Todd Kellett today down at the Western Beach race has got his Liat boots on and he's got his Liat protection and his neck brace. What you know, obviously Todd just doesn't that doesn't just appear. Um, tell us about what you do. Yeah. So every day it completely varies like like most people in most jobs um but day to day uh yeah i have a lot of communication with the athletes now um it took a while to build that but now we like you say between all of us we've we've gained a good level and quite often they'll message me me every day just because they because they can so yeah but th- but day to day work wise uh it could be anything from getting custom gear sorted for for FNH Kawasaki for Kevin Hogman and David Braceras, or it could be sorting some marketing material for the 2024 launch that we've just, that we've just had, or it could be going on a photo shoot, uh, for, yeah, for, for product photo shooting, uh, in Spain or the USA, or it very, it varies so much. Like say from, from ordering to photo shoots that you, yeah, it could be anything. So. Wow, that's quite a varied position then, because you're doing literally, kind of, you're trying to be um, uh, proactive, and um, you know, try and schedule things and in, in, in work to, uh, uh, you know, structure. And then obviously, you've got to be reactive when, I guess, things happen. Like, oh, uh, I forgot my boots, or my boots, have, or my helmet's got lost on the plane. Or, I'm guessing you've probably had some stories about that this year. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> There's always, I won't mention any rider's name, but there don't was mention the names, who, don't mention the but, names, but, but someone forgot their knee braces. <laughs> so, uh, Amazing. <laughs> it, but it did happen because, uh, they were waiting on the crate from Indonesia to come back. Um, and one of their knee braces was in the crate and one was in their gear bag, their training gear bag. And then they ended up forgetting them for the, for the race. But we were lucky we were in Belgium at the time, put it that way. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it does, it does happen. But like you say, I, I spend a lot of time answering their queries, answering their questions and, uh, yeah, keeping, keeping them happy and building good relationships with them. Um, because what most people will know me for really is, is in the paddock. Most people will see me in the paddock and see me walking around the paddock and probably thinking I, I don't do a lot, but <laughs> behind the scenes and uh, at home a lot a lot more happens than than those people <laughs> than hey, those that, people think that that's the sign of a good employee eh? when it looks like they're doing nothing it's because they've done all their work in in the week that's what you're supposed to be telling people <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure there's, there's people in the paddocks we'll, we'll say some mechanics that seen me as a mechanic and then seen where i am now and yeah don't think i i do anything but like you say when i'm at the gp's it could be it could be anything from from helping some of the riders prep their goggles to uh, fixing issues with anything they may have or or working towards the next year for deals and stuff like that. So 
a lot a lot happens that that they that they don't see for sure uh, one of the things which um you know i'm, I'm quite we've worked with mx voices worked with leah for for quite a few years now and even strokes has started selling the gear um this year for a pico and um you know one of the things which uh you know, I quite am impressed with is is the um, the quality of the gear, because again, I don't want to name names of of other other brands, but obviously, as a from a from a retail point of view, obviously, the less gear you get back, the less hassle you have with returns, the the more easier running the business is, and I think that's one of the cool things when you are. Um, you know, a supplier of Liat gear is that there's a certain level of quality um, which comes with the products. Um, it must be quite nice to be able to, you know, of all the brands out there, you know, the the lengths and the depths that that the guys at Liat go to to make, you know, the best products out there. It must be quite satisfying for yourself to work within a company like that. Yeah, for sure. Like uh, as a Liat employee, obviously I'm going to say it, but we do not make a bad product. Everything is, is in my eyes, quality. Like I've seen the the development and the, the testing we do and uh, the riders we have around the globe testing testing products constantly, whether it be a, a set of pants or a set of boots. Um, yeah, a lot of, a lot of testing goes on, and we we really we're proud of what of what we make and and the quality of of the products we have. Nice. It's like I said, that and, and and obviously they, they have um the three point five, which is um the more cheaper cheaper end, more affordable for for people entry level kind of motocross, and then the four point five in the five point five. But even the five point five, in terms of, of cost, is not you know outland outlandish even for a premium product. Um, the one thing which is uh is actually because I mean this is the other thing with Liat's journey is. You know, they started off as a net brace company, and, and and we're quickly known for a net brace company. Yeah, but the way that they have developed a full line of products is 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 really impressive. I mean, I'm not just bigging out because you're a Liat employee. I mean, if if I was talking to somebody else, I'd be, you know, Liat's been super impressive with the way that they've created and, and built products over the last sort of four or five years. Yeah, the growth the growth in Liat is 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 crazy. To be honest, um, yeah, founded in 2004, and then. To where it is now, I think it started with yeah three three part numbers or something, which was three different neck braces, and now it's way way in the thousands of, of yeah. part numbers. Um, and like you say, now we offer complete head to toe, so boots boots up to boots up to helmet. We offer all forms of protection, and yeah, it, the growth of Liat and it's not stopping. I can tell you that the the way the company is investing and the way the company is moving forwards, it's yeah, it's 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 here to stay and uh it, it's cool the, the things we have coming and the yeah in the future it's looking really good so it makes me proud to be part of the, this company and uh yeah at the end of the day it was a good a good move i think <laughs> coming to liat i mean that's the whole thing in it you're a year in it's kind of like um you know when i was uh a year in at pierce i was kind of like i think three months in i, I kind of remember looking back at my emails and in i kind of message someone and said I, I think i've made a really big mistake so um you know i've kind of been on the on the other end of it where you you do these you make these decisions and, and they don't work out yeah so it must be nice for you to like you know you had that big decision about moving away from jdw where you were happy 
to take this opportunity in a year on, you know, it's good to hear that you're pleased with um, how it's worked out for you. Yeah. I, I, to be honest, the, yeah, like when I took the Liat job, I, there was still times before I started with Liat when I was like, have I, have I actually made the right move here? Should I have gone to, gone to this team? Should I have stayed at JWR? And it wasn't until I actually started with the company that I, I think I realized I made, made the right choice. Um, because uh, Liat in some ways, yeah, it's not similar to JWR, but it has that family feel to it. Um, we're all quite close. We're all quite connected. Yeah, we all work remotely all around the world, but it, yeah, we do meet up. We have we have meetings together, and it's yeah, it's got got that family feel to it, which is which is which is nice. As a, I don't think it's as corporate as some of the other the other brands out there. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. I like that. You know, I think that's that's really important that even though you're remote, you feel still part of a family. Um, I did see that Bastian's returning to um to Liat uh this week. He kind of announced uh, he was I, I got to know him through through working at Liat, then he left to go into the to the uh, cycle uh, business. So um he was my first ever port of call at Liat a long time ago. So um, it's good to hear that he's sort of rejoined the ranks as well. And it's quite interestingly, I think he's, it's like up to about 90 comments of people welcoming him back. So, you know, it, it goes to show what a great company um, Liat is if people, you know, people want to go back. But I'm guessing are you kind of looking at this now is try and sort of climb the career ladder, Jamie? Yeah, I, I would say so. Um, yeah, like I should say it's great. Yeah, Basti is back and he's the, in the MTB side, but... Yeah, he's an awesome guy as well. So it's cool to have him. But, but yeah, it, I am realistically. I look at this as a long, long term sort of a, a long term thing, and seeing where we can go with it. Because yeah, the sky's the limit really in this company. And it, what for me, for me, what is nice is everyone in the company has really been there a long time. There's many people that have been here for, for eight, ten years, like, and they've grown with the company. Um, so if I can have the opportunity to do that as well, I think that would that would be that would be great. And uh, to see where the company's going to be in five years as well will be, I think, yeah, I think it will surprise some people. And yeah, I, I look forward to it. I look forward to the future. So what? Uh, so looking back on your first year at Liao, what do you think has been uh, what's one of your m- most memorable memories so far this year? What sort of one thing which you're just like? Is there a moment where you like you kind of pinch yourself and just thought this this is cool as fuck? <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Is there a couple? Yeah, I mean, one of the coolest moments for me so far this year is when Kevin got on the podium in Turkey. Actually, okay, that's that was cool. that was a cool moment because to be honest, it'd been quite a tough year for the F and H up until that point, and yeah, Kevin got on the podium, and it's strange, like. I only make their custom gear. Like I only sort of order their gear and send them product and support them at the races. But that really felt like I was part of the, part of the celebration and part of the, the process. Yeah. The process. And that was, that was really nice. And another one, I think strangely, weirdly, whatever way you want to put it was a Eurobike this year, which is a mountain bike show a little bit like ECMA, but for mountain bikes. Okay. And I ended up meeting, uh, uh, Danny McCaskill, the mountain bike guy, and yeah, just having—he cool. would just come by the stand with uh, one of the Liat athletes. And to me, Danny McCaskill is an awesome guy, like unbelievable on a bike. But just to get there and 
yeah, to be able to talk to him for 10, 20 minutes and just like casual chat, not even talking about mountain bikes or whatever. And that, that was cool <laughs> to be honest. Like it's yeah. kind of not even part of Liat, but I was there with Liat. So it made it, uh, Exactly. And it's, it's, you know, again, it's like, you know, making those decisions and that kind of led to, led to that pathway of, of kind of spending some time with him. I, 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 this is what I love about the, the, you know, the different journeys we all take, but, um, you know, I, I could see why Turkey, you know, I speak to Mark quite a lot in, in, I know Natalie well, and, you know, those guys, what they put into that team not just i'm not talking about resources but just the effort i mean it's yeah, ridiculous sure. how busy natalie is and in, in what she runs and in, in trying to she's got the i can't remember is it the wedding is it it's like the, the wedding business she's yeah. got the uh her dad's company then she's got the team and then, she, then she's basically got a kid as well so it's insane the amount of work that i i, I think fnh are just one of those teams which i just a bit like a jwr I, I, you know, really good people, really nice people. And, um, you know, it's when, when something goes right for him, you, you can't help, but be happy and celebrate with people. Like that. Yeah, exactly. That's, that was the sort of feeling. And, uh, the moment I sort of uh, got to know FNH a little bit better in the team and it does have that, that family feel to it. Um, like say you go to some of the GPs and Harry is there and Natalie is there and the full family's there and you got, uh, seven Natalie's child on in the in the truck in the yeah in the, in the seat and yep and you got Mark and it, yeah it's just it is a nice family feel to it and uh, you can't help but but want to help them and yeah enjoy enjoy the enjoy the process with them. Nice, uh, it's, it's it's super cool. So, um, will you be working with FNH again next year? Um, the plan. That's the plan. That's the plan. That's good. That's, Obviously, it's still early days, but that's the intention. Yeah, that is the intention. Yeah. Um, and and just yeah. uh, go through some of the athletes you're working with at the moment, then Jamie, because we obviously we mentioned Todd Kellett, but there's Adam Sterry over in the the ADAC. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So we have yeah Todd. So British athletes, we have Todd and Todd and Adam. Uh, Josh Gilbert. Yeah. Uh, we also help him with a neck brace, and then Johnny Walker, which is. Uh, if you don't know, extreme enduro extraordinaire. Is, is he head to toe? <laughs> he is head to toe. Yeah. Um, so he has, uh, we actually do a Johnny Walker edition of a boot and a goggle and, uh, yeah, he's a Red Bull athlete. Um, yeah, awesome. top, top, top of his game. He's, uh, yeah. arguably our biggest, one of our biggest athletes. Uh, Great on another, media as well. Yeah, exactly. Really, really easy to work with. Uh, another one of our big athletes, which not so many people in here might, might be so aware of is, is Marcel Herscher. He's a, an ex-Alpine ski racer, but if you're okay. from Austria or you're from Italy, he is huge. God. He's like, yeah, he's like nearly 700,000 Instagram followers. Like, he, he is huge. Like, he, he, he's like he's a Crowley of skiing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. He's a, yeah, he's a bit of a god. So he does some hard enduro races and some mountain biking. So, damn. Okay. So he's like, yeah. a, just one of those athletes, which is just, has a natural ability to yeah he's he's sort of retired from from skiing now um he just does a bit of everything but a super cool guy and uh yeah a great ambassador for us and then uh yeah then like say we work with Yago Gertz in in MXGP um yep. Kevin uh Hogamo, David Braceras um and then we have a few women riders like uh Chiara Fontanese who okay. again is amazing to work with yep um Star Anderson, uh, Malou Jakobsen, 
Um, yeah, and then we have uh, like some uh, some other riders in MXGP, like Yeri Avisto. Um, trying to plug names off the top of my head now. <laughs> well, <laughs> so I, easy. I, I know one team I have to mention them is the the uh, Phoenix Even Strokes Kawasaki team in the UK, which are head to toe yes. in um, in in Liat. So Carlton Husband is just won the uh, MX Nationals MX Two. Yep. I got to say that because Barry kicked my ass. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, um, but yeah, another another great team in in uh, uh, you know Carlton's freaking awesome. He's been there, seen it, done it. Uh, yeah. just a hard work in Geordie uh, and managed to win the title in front of England's number one, Jordan Pickford, which was pretty cool as best mate. So um, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's cool. I seen that, seen something about that before. That's, that's quite, he was at one of the races, wasn't he before I think he, as well. He was actually at the, at the race, uh, um, when, um, uh, Carlton won. So, oh, really? um, yeah, so it was, it was really cool. He had all his friends, family and in that there. So, um, yeah, it was brilliant. I think there was a lot of selfies that day. Uh, I can imagine in the, in the team in the team uh, in the team truck. So um, yeah, but yeah, you, it, it, you've obviously got quite quite. It's quite nice actually because it doesn't sound like you've you've got a lot of athletes, but you haven't got too many athletes. No, it's for sure, more manageable. It's yeah, there, there is a lot of athletes, um, but not too many. Uh, you look at some brands and they just have yeah astronomical amounts. Um, but all ours are quite are quite close, and we we have a good like contact with them all. Um, like you say, whether it be Frederick Lingren in in Speedway Grand Prix, or whether it be Johnny Walker in Extreme Enduro, or whether it be Yago Gertz in MXGP. Yeah, like you say, we give them all the same respect and the and look after them all as the best we can. Or and it's it's nice having them all around the globe as well. Like we are a global company, so yeah. Has- every, Sorry to interrupt, Jamie. How does like so? For instance, there's uh, an up-and-coming MXGP rider or uh, someone in, in in the British Championship. They're going to need to go and speak to a Pico, which would be Dylan, um, and, and have that conversation. But when is it a case of are you looking for athletes, or do athletes come to you, or is it a bit of both? It's a bit of both, to be honest. Um, for sure, when I'm at races and at that Grand Prix, especially, I, I am looking looking at, at athletes and and athletes' families. <laughs> we should say. <laughs> Do you know what? That's a really good point. I love that you brought that up because that's important, hey? Yeah, for sure. Um, we work. We're lucky that we work with some some good families and some good people. Because um, when you look at like the EMX one two five guys and the EMX two fifty guys, a lot of the time you're working with the family more than you are the, the rider. Of course. Um, so we, we look after a, a couple. So notable ones would be like Nikolai Skovberg uh, from Denmark. Yeah. He rides for JK, JK Yamaha at the moment. Okay. Him and his family are absolutely fantastic people. Like I could go and sit in their van for hours and, and chat. And it, it's just, and he's this type of rider that deserves the help and appreciates the help and the family appreciates the help. And it, yeah, I like that. That, that, that really does help. It's th- that reminds me of um, like like Kevin's there now, but Kevin Horogmo was that kid with his family yeah. around him traveling to EMX races. And they were always the family w- which were always super welcoming. Kevin had his own vlog. And, um, you know, I was had him on the podcast not too long ago. He, you know, it, I've watched him grow. and But he's always stayed the same. His family stayed the same. Yeah. Um, just just good people and uh there's other people like in the pits which i like which is like yan pankar who goes with his dad yes for sure every gp um 
but it is really important hey that that family you get to, you get a sense of the person from the family yeah for sure like and and it's nice i think from from sort of my perspective of racing before it's it's nice to help the people that that need it as well to be honest yeah there's there's many riders out there that it doesn't matter how much product you give them, they could buy it all 15, 20, 25 times over. Yeah. But there are many teams and riders that, that need the help. Um, like I mentioned him earlier, Jerry Avisto rides for the Silv KM team in uh, just a Finnish team. They run out of a sprinter, but they need the help. They need the support to, to help Jerry ride to the level that he, he, he wants to ride at. He, In my opinion, he could be... Uh, a, a top a top rider he just needs that support to to be able to get there and to be to be at every gp and if i can help them a little bit here and there with a few packs of laminates or whatever it might be it it makes a big difference to them yeah a huge difference so it, yeah it's nice to support the people that that need the help yeah no i like that is it is that is that something that you do off your own back or is that something that is like part of the the liat ethos yeah it's it it is is off my own back, but it is also part of our ethos because we 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 want to help people at the end of the day, um, and we want to help people who are going to help the brand. Yeah. So if 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 we can help them, then they're going to help us at the end of the day. Um, and I feel throughout the year, like now, people have sort of seen me around more and seen what I'm doing. There's a lot more people approaching myself and and sort of. I think it's opened the eyes of some riders of the support they can have and from a brand that cares as well, as bad as that sounds. Uh, no, no, I think, I think you're quite right. I think that the fact that people do care and, you know, want to look after their athletes is, is such a massive thing because I think that's not is, I mean, I'm not saying that all brands, I mean, there's a, a couple of brands, um, which will have athlete managers at pretty much every GP, but they are becoming few and far you know, between now. It, it yep. seems to have really kind of scaled back the last couple of years. And I can imagine where riders, as much as they want the money, they do want the support. So it's kind of, I can see that riders will pick brands, which will give them that support. It's actually something to do with bikes and teams. Yeah, it's exactly like that. And that's sort of what I'm starting to hear throughout the paddock, but it's a tough time in the industry. It's, uh, yeah, it's, money is money is short for a lot of a lot of a lot of people, a lot of teams, a lot of a lot of brands. There's I hear you, brother. Is, yeah, every, every, everyone everyone is struggling. So yeah, that's probably why you see a little bit less of that support and uh, the help. Yeah, but like I said before, we're we're still pushing on and we're looking to to help and become a bigger nice. brand than we, than we already are. So it's awesome. I I like the. Uh... I, I like the, the the mindset. Um, Jamie, I think we've been talking for like 90 minutes. We said we're only going to do 45 <laughs> and I like took up all your time. Um, but it's been a fascinating story and it's been really good to listen to, um, you know, where you started and, and where you are now. And I think it'd be really cool to get you back on to, you know, some of the podcasts and maybe with some of the riders as well. Maybe we can get Kevin on a podcast and stuff like that. And, and uh, we can start talking about some proper stories. <laughs> yeah, no, that would be cool for sure. Like, uh, I'm always open to do it. I think it's a it's a it's a good opportunity for myself as well. So, no, uh, definitely. I, um, I really appreciate you having me uh, having me on here. So, no, no. Obviously, since we since we learned, you know, we I can't even remember what flight it was. Uh, we were on a flight. Uh, I think it was. 
I don't know, there's been so Maybe. many. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You lose, you lose track of them. <laughs> but um, there was one where we, we happened to be in the same airport at the same, at the same time. So, um, yeah, no, and at that point, I just thought oh, it'd be a really good story. So, obviously, I needed to get needed to let you get sort of into this year because, um, obviously, it's a massive learning curve for you. Um, but it sounds like you've adapted to it really well and taken the opportunity with both hands. Yeah, I, yeah, it has taken a while, that's for sure. Um it took a while for people to see me as uh, something different rather than a mechanic as well. Um, but yeah, now we feel pretty settled where I am and we move on to Matley this weekend and, and then MX Nations and then we can almost settle for MXGP for a while. And uh, <laughs> have a little bit of a break. Just no, there's, no, there's no such thing as an off season, but. Uh, well, I guess that's the, uh, that's the whole thing with, with the industry. It's like we're finishing um, the nations and really that's when my busy, the busy, the busy part starts for me because from now till December, it's literally just about um, 24 gets shaped in the next three months. Yeah, exactly. Crazy. Like we go to Eichma and then Eichma yeah. and, then it, and then it's Christmas and then suddenly the preseason races start. So yeah, in January the 1st, everybody's like, you know, new contracts are started. Everybody's raring to go and you're like still in your Christmas period <laughs> yeah it, so, it, will, um, it will be it'll be the new season before we know it it will be but um hey it's been really good chatting to you um and uh i just want a big shout out to even strokes um as mentioned a uk-based online motocross shop that offers motocross parts and gear uh they're all about making motocross more affordable by just stretching that budget a little bit further so there's always an offer on there's always uh, ways to save and you can get 10% off anything site-wide, including layout products, uh, using the code MXVICE. So hop over to Evenstrokes, E-V-E-N-S-T-R-O-K-E-S.com. And uh, when you get to check out, just put in MXVICE in there and that's your 10% saving. So um, big thanks to those guys. And Jamie, big thanks to you. And um Good luck for the rest of the year. I'll see you at Matley this weekend and uh, I'll see you in Nurnay as well. Yeah, I look forward to it. Thank you, James. Rim. Uh, we'll be back for episode three next week.